Hello, and welcome to The Journey, a daily podcast reading through the Bible. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you listen, we're going to be using the New Living Translation of God's Word. Let's start today's reading. We are reading 2 Chronicles chapters 32 through 33. After Hezekiah had faithfully carried out this work, King Shinnasherab of Assyria invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified towns, giving orders to his army to break through their walls. When Hezekiah realized that Shinnasherab had intended to attack Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military advisors, and they decided to stop the flow of the springs outside the city. They organized a huge work crew to stop the flow of the springs, cutting off the brook that ran through the fields. For they said, Why should the kings of Assyria come here and find plenty of water? Then Hezekiah worked hard at repairing all the broken sections of the wall, erecting towers and constructing a second wall outside the first. He also reinforced the supporting terraces in the city of David and manufactured large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square of the city gate. Then Hezekiah encouraged them by saying, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army, for there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles for us. Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. While King Sennacherib of Assyria was still besieging the town of Lachish, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah and all the people in the city. This is what King Sennacherib of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you think that you can survive my siege of Jerusalem? Hezekiah has said, The Lord our God will rescue us from the king of Assyria. Surely Hezekiah is misleading you, sentencing you to death by famine and thirst. Don't you realize that Hezekiah is the very person who destroyed all the Lord's shrines and altars? He commanded Judah and Jerusalem to worship only at the altar, at the temple, to offer sacrifices on it alone. Surely you must realize what I and the other kings of Assyria before me have done to all the people of the earth." Were any of the gods of those nations able to rescue their people from my power? Which of their gods was able to rescue its people from the destructive power of my predecessors? What makes you think that your god can rescue me rescue you from me. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. Don't let him fool you like this. I say it again, no God of any nation or kingdom has ever yet been able to rescue his people from me or my ancestors. How much less will your God rescue you from my power? 
and Sennacherib's officers further mocked the Lord God and his servant Hezekiah, heaping insult upon insult. The king also sent letters of scorning the Lord, the God of Israel. He wrote, Just as the gods of all the other nations failed to rescue their people from my power, so the God of Hezekiah will also fail. The Assyrian officials who brought the letters shouted this in Hebrew to the people gathered on the walls of the city, trying to terrify them so that it would be easier to capture the city. These officers talked about the God of Jerusalem as though he were one of the pagan gods made by human hands. Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah son of Amoz cried out in prayer to the God in heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who destroyed the Assyrian army with all its commanders and officers. So so Sinarab was forced to return home in disgrace to his own land, and when he entered the temple of his god, some of his own sons killed him there with a sword. That is how the Lord rescued Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from King Sinasarab of Assyria and from all the others who threatened them. So there was peace throughout the land. From then on, King Hezekiah became highly respected among all the surrounding nations, and many gifts for the Lord arrived at Jerusalem with valuable presents for King Hezekiah too. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. He prayed to the Lord who healed them and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah did not respond appropriately to the kindness shown him, and he became proud. So the Lord's anger came up against him and against Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself and repented of his pride, as did the people of Jerusalem. So the Lord's anger did not fall on them during Hezekiah's lifetime. Hezekiah was very wealthy and highly honored. He built special treasury buildings for his silver, gold, precious stones and spices, and for his shields and other valuable items. He also constructed many storehouses for his grain, new wine, and olive oil. And he made many stalls for his cattle and pens for his flocks of sheep and goats. He built many towns and acquired vast flocks and herds, for God had given him great wealth. He blocked up the upper spring of Gihon and brought the water down through a tunnel to the west side of the city of David. And so he succeeded in everything he did. However, when ambassadors arrived from Babylon to ask about the remarkable events that had taken place in the land, God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him and to see what was really in his heart rest of the events of Hezekiah's reign and his acts of devotion are recorded in the vision of the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, which is included in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. When Hezekiah died, he was buried in the upper area of the royal cemetery, and all Judah and Jerusalem honored him at his death. And his son Manasseh became Manasseh became the next king. 
Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had broken down. He constructed altars for the images of Baal and set up Asherah poles. He also bowed before all the powers of heavens and worshipped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. He practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. Manasseh also even took a carved idol he had made and set it up in God's temple, the very place where God had told David and his son Solomon, My name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among all the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses, I will not send them into exile from this land that I set aside for your ancestors. But Manasseh led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose and bound him in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. But while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. After this, Manasseh built the outer wall of the city of David, from west of the Gihon Spring to the Kidron Valley to the Fish Gate, and continuing around the hill of Ophel. He built the wall very high, and he stationed his military officers in all the fortified towns of Judah. Manasseh also removed the foreign gods and idols from the Lord's temple. He tore down all the altars that he had built on the hill where the temple stood and all the altars that were in Jerusalem, and he dumped them outside the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings and thanksgiving offerings on it. He also encouraged the people of Judah to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. However, the people still sacrificed at the pagan shrines, though only to the Lord, their God. 
The rest of the events of Manasseh's reign, his prayer to God, and the words of the seers spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. Manasseh's prayer, the account of the way God answered him, and an account of all his sins and unfaithfulness are recorded in the record of the seers. It includes a list of the locations where he built pagan shrines and set up Asherah poles and idols before he humbled himself and repented. When Manasseh died, he was buried in his palace. Then his son Amon became the next king. Amon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. He worshipped and sacrificed to all the idols his father had made. But unlike his father, he did not humble himself before the Lord. Instead, Amon sinned even more. Then Amon's own officials conspired against him and assassinated him in his palace. But the people of the land killed all those who conspired against King Amon, and they made his son Josiah the next king. This parallel passage that we read today of yesterday's reading, they both talk about King Manasseh. And both of them list all of the sins that Manasseh did. But this reading that we have read today tells us that Manasseh, when he was delivered over to the Assyrian armies, that he was taken prisoner. And during these events, he repented and asked the Lord for help and forgiveness. When people say that God only was interested in repentance and loving and forgiveness in the New Testament, they don't read passages of Scripture like this that we read today. God is always interested in repentance. God is always interested in people changing their hearts and directing their hearts back to the Lord Yahweh. That's what we see so often, that God gives opportunities for people to repent, ask for forgiveness, and change their lives. This is an amazing thing about our God, that God is willing to forgive. Perhaps we've grown so used to hearing about the ways of God that that we get comfortable with this idea, but this is amazing to me, and I pray that it is amazing to you as well, that God is willing to forgive. It's truly remarkable that the King Manasseh could do such evil, that he could do so many things that were just despicable, and yet when he humbled himself and asked for forgiveness... God was willing to forgive him. This is a message that we should tell all the world. 
that today we can can share with because through Jesus that people can have a true forgiveness that they can leave the life of sin behind them and have something even greater this is fantastic news my friends please do not keep it to yourself Thank you again for joining us for the journey. Please be sure to share this podcast. Today's reading was from the New Living Translation of the Holy Bible and used with permission. Have a blessed day, and we hope that you'll join us again tomorrow.